Um, so moving forward, the NBA trade deadline. You want, let's get into that stuff now because I feel like since we talked, there's been a few more rumors that have hopped the uh, that have come up. Um, we're getting closer to the deadline. Matisse's name is coming up. Um, I saw Bones Highland in a tweet where someone kind of you know roughly speculated maybe he's someone the Sixers. Could well, go after I think it. he's getting moved, but there's basically no fit there in Philly. All right, so well, I'll shoot that one just, down. Let me be selfish and start with this. I would love Bones Highland on the Sixers. He is my guy. Shoots threes, guard, looks cool. I saw him play last year in person, and he absolutely lit the Sixers up. So I guess just let me down easy. But what makes you think that's not an option? I mean, why would why bother? What what are you gaining? Why bother? Let me look at his. I mean. It, He's a good shooter. He's a guard. He's a if scorer. If Tyrese Maxey is your sixth man, what is the point of Bones Highland? To be another version of Maxey coming off the bench. You don't You don't need multiple no. versions of a guy who can't right. defend that is being brought in to so, run the offense. He's shooting 38% from three on almost six attempts a game. He's a good player. For yeah. A team that needs an instant offense guy. Even if Maxi was back in the starting lineup, Shake Milton has been a good sixth man for this team and a good bench guard for this team. And he has far fewer defensive issues, even though he's not a good defender, than right. Bones Highland does. Like the whole problem for Bones and Denver is that they don't, it, it's a conflict between they need to develop him and play him more, but playing him more means their defense gets worse. And so it's this push pull effect there. And that's why they're even looking to trade him in the first place, because I think he believes he deserves a bigger role. There's a bit of a, I don't want to say a fight going on there between him and the organization, but there's, certainly some, there's some friction going on there. So to bring him into a situation where it's like, hey, no, you're not going to, you're certainly not going to start. And right. we already have a couple of clear cut six men, seventh men type guards coming off the bench. I'd like, where do you fit him into the, you're going to play a three guard lineup with uh Maxi, yeah, shake Milton Island. and bones Highland. No yeah. way. So there's just no, uh, look, if they had a different team and they were, um, they were making some bigger trades, like moving Maxi somewhere in a OG Ananobi trade or something right. crazy like that, then yeah. I mean, I could see kicking the tires on somebody like bones or a, a player of that ilk, but the way the team is constructed right now, there's just no real reason to get involved. So my counter to that would be, and this is a bit looking in the future, and we've kind of stopped talking about that because they're better now. And they're, I think they have like the fourth most wins in the NBA. They're a legitimate title contender, if not the best team in the East. My argument for Bones would be, although Shake is probably in some ways a better player right now, to your to your point, like he he fits in well. Bones, I think, does have potential where if him and Maxi can improve on defense, like that's a nice two guard. Those are two nice young guards to have. So if James does leave or if, you know, the ultimate, you know, nuclear bomb goes off and Joel decides he wants to leave. I do think Bones is a nice young piece to pick up in that regard. I think if you're relying on Bones Highland to lead you through a rebuild, you are fucked. So wow. that is uh, and I like Bones. Again, I'm not trying to to dump on bones or anything but i just i think he is really small and he's more of a the problem with him is sort of the same problem with maxi on offense where he's mm -hmm. a combo guard but he's not really a playmaker so you're not really replacing what you need with in a situation where james leaves you have maybe like three halves of a ball handler 
and those do not add up to one and a half ball handlers. They're just three halves. You're not you're not turning into a real point guard or right. a real lead guard of a team. So well, again, I like him. I think for a team that needs bench offense, good help. But I don't think that's Philadelphia's problem right now. So clearly, the two or three games I've seen Bones Highland played are not indicative of who he is as a player. Is the main <laughs> main takeaway I'm I'm having here. But the other name that's come up, uh, you know, loosely in trade rumors is Nazir Reed. Um, back up. He's like what? He's like a four or five type of guy, right? Like what would? Yeah, what, he's what he's been. He has started these games that uh, Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert have both missed mm-hmm. when Gobert has been healthy. Cause cat is still out. He's been out for a while. Reed has been basically the first guy off the bench and then ends up closing some of these games. I think the problem with it, I, he's been a hot name on the trade market in general. I think he's got real value. The problem for the Sixers is that I think he skews too much toward that Trez archetype where he's a, offense first type guy he's undersized and it's not the type of big man specifically they're looking for now look i'm not going to sit here and tell you that if he's available for a good price not to get him because Mm -hmm. he's straight up better than the two guys that they have and if they can upgrade and not have it cost an arm and a leg it's something you always consider you always had the weird thing with the nba with i guess with big men specifically they're toughest because they're locked into a spot. Whereas guards and wings, you can do some funky things with lineups and move guys around depending on skill sets. Big men, it's you only have one on the floor, and if you have two, it's a disaster, as we saw with yeah. you know, Joel and Al Horford. Despite the fact that both those guys are pretty damn good, so yeah, I, I think if if he's available for a pittance, maybe. But I just think he's been so good in Minnesota that they're going to keep a a high line and he probably goes to a team that has no no big man depth at all or just stays in minnesota otherwise yeah. you know if they could play him instead of trez that'd be awesome because he's just straight up better than trez is if they do get uh we'll use nausea reed as as the example here but in general if they if they pull off a trade for another backup center do you think then uh harrell or reed are gone like they won't carry all three on the roster will they or do you think that you think they would, or you think if they were, I did I, when I reported all this stuff earlier in the week, I did say, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that if they were to get another center, that that means one or both of Reed and Harrell are gone. Hmm. They have had this open roster spot for most of the season, which I think people have probably forgotten. Yeah. I forgot about by that. now. So they're essentially not using it right now. So it doesn't really matter if they're using it on any position, right? It mm-hmm. just, Who's the best player they can use to put in that spot? Now, if you're asking me what the best use of resources is, I do think that they should be looking more toward you know two-way wings and forwards, but I think they're also harder to get. So if the best player that they can get to upgrade their roster is a big man, I don't think it necessarily means that Reed or Trez is gone, but I'm a little dubious that they're, uh, they're actually going to trade for a center. I think that might be... Might be more of a buyout priority. We'll see how the deadline shakes out. But I think it how it tends to happen is those are the guys that get let go because backup yeah. bigs after the deadline are like, what do you? That's an easy way to tank. You just make the down team the roster. By, yeah. So we'll see. So a couple questions for you. One, you mentioned just then you think your priority would be more three and D wing type of guys. Um, why? Why would you prioritize that over backup center? 
I I just think it's more important in the playoffs. And mm-hmm. I know Trez is not good and hasn't been good. I know Paul Reed is inexperienced, but ultimately those guys are only playing 10 minutes in the playoffs. I know that'll be an important 10 minutes. There are also matchups where they might not play at all. It might be PJ yeah. Tucker is the center for, you know, most, if not all the minutes that Joel is sitting. So that's an important consideration. I just, I don't think that you should use resources there if you have the choice. The other thing is, and look, Matisse Thibel has been the most rumored outgoing guy this week, right? There are a couple of different reports saying Sacramento's got interest, Golden State, yeah, Golden State yep. potentially has interest, and we might as well get into him. And yeah, I was about, part- let me let me ask you that to get it started. Do you believe there's legitimate interest in, in Thibel around the league, or do you think this is the Sixers trying to you know, drum up the idea that people want him. I, I think it's both. Like, I do think there are playoff teams that would take a chance on Thibel. He's on final year of his contract. He's at a low point in terms of trade market value, I think, yeah. compared to when he's fresh off of making all defense teams or whatever. So it's worth kicking the tires and, and seeing, hey, if, if the Sixers are willing to deal this guy, then we might as well try to get in there, see what it's going to take. I do think that the suitors that have been listed or reported illustrate the problem for Philadelphia because Golden State is not trading you anything back that's going to help you win this year. Mm -hmm. Sacramento also probably not trading anything back that's going to help you win this year. So you have to, your calculation in that trade is, do we move Matisse for a down-the-road piece that might be better, an upside piece? So in Golden State, the Golden State example would be someone like uh, Moses Moody, who was a really highly coveted 3-and-D guy coming out of college two years ago, mm-hmm. but has only shot the ball okay and defensively has been a bit of a mess despite – he's got great tools. He's got like 6'11 wingspan, decent athlete, all that stuff, but – He's playing in the G League right now. Like, has yeah. not been good enough to play for the Warriors. So, if you trade for a guy like that for Thibault, that's the money makes it so you can do something like that basically straight up. You make that trade as the Sixers, you're essentially conceding that Thibault was not going to play in the playoffs at all because you can't play Moody in the playoffs, basically. Yeah. There's just no real reason to throw a 20 year old kid in there who is not good enough to play for a team that just won the title. So, that's the sort of deal that's on the table for Matisse. And at that point, even though I'm a gigantic Matisse skeptic, I've said that on the pod and I've written it for yeah, months and months and months, you'd, you'd be better off just keeping them. Well, so that was my question for you when we're talking about Matisse. Do, has your opinion on Matisse changed? Because when we talked and we did like the report cards at the midway of the season, I remember I was a little higher on Matisse than, uh, than you were, which, you know, probably was wrong by me. But curious, what what is your... Like, what is your opinion of Matisse's ability to play in the playoffs? I don't believe in him as a playoff guy, but I believe in him more than Moses Moody or in the Sacramento Kings example. Do you think the Sixers believe in him? Not really. And that's one of the main reasons that he's out there. I mean, I, I think they respect the work that he's put in in terms of, you know, working on ball handling and jump shooting and all that. But most of that has not really shown up on the floor and i think there's an overarching belief that even if he were to finish the season on a long hot streak from three i i don't think they trust him in the playoffs Mm -hmm. i think 
he's going to go out there and they would expect he's going to miss these shots. He's going to get tight. It's and look, that's that happens to a lot of role players. That's not unique to him. But yeah, I, I do think that that's a a reality they're preparing for. So, but I would still, I still think that you know the guys who you could trade one for one in Sacramento, for example, are like Alex Len, who's just a like a stiff backup center. <laughs> like he's a yeah. he's a he's a big body. Like you stick him in front of the rim, he's big and will rebound or whatever. But right. it's not very good. He's just going to be a space eater. He's a space eater. It's all he is. So I'm not trading Matisse for a guy like that. I would yeah. rather, even though I, I have my doubts about him, I'd rather have, if I'm the Sixers, that creation of chaos off of the bench. Like maybe he can't shoot and maybe he gets sent back to the bench. But also maybe he comes into a game and gets three steals and a block. Yeah. And you go on a big run. But that's possible too. Somebody like Alex Len or Terrence Davis or Moses Moody, those guys are not doing that for your team. And so a team that's trying to win a title, the eyeball serves better than guys like that. And honestly, the the more you think about it, because we're so low on Matisse and because he's not playing a ton of minutes. I don't really think there's any risk that he's going to go into free agency this summer and get any sort of real payday. I agree. Like if he gets paid, I think the ceiling for him is probably, let's say like 10 million a year, which is crazy. If if he's on a 10 million a year contract, that's a really tradable deal. Yeah. That's it. And so right now we're talking about how difficult it is to trade him partially because he's not making enough money to match anybody. And that's the case for a lot of, a lot of the younger players on the roster. Now, if you have a Matisse on a $10 million a year deal, it gets easier to make these matching salary trades without having to give up your star players. And then all of a sudden you go from, Oh, well we can only get these like end of bench rotation players to we combine a couple of these guys and we might get a $20 million a year player in a trade. And so that to me becomes a lot more appealing than a lot of the stuff that's available now. Now maybe somebody in the offseason says we're paying them a ridiculous amount of money and you know you yeah. end up losing them for nothing. But I, I would rather take that chance, I think, at this now, point. Now, let me ask you this. If you don't feel comfortable in him playing in the playoffs, and he's probably not going to play a ton of minutes, I do agree with you that he just has the the body type and the game where he could come in, deflect a few passes. Who knows? He gives you four minutes to help you spark to help spark you. But is there any thought or consideration to, so let's use Moody as an example, right? Now, I would assume he's under contract beyond this year if he's only... He's got a couple more years and he's also on a cheap deal. Right. Now, would there be any thought on your from your end of trading Thibel for somebody that is not going to play for you in the playoffs, but is basically just taking another shot at another Thibel and maybe next year... He's, you know, you develop him, you have him around, but you, but he's cost controlled and you have him. Like if you're not going to play Thibault in the playoffs anyway, or at least very limited minutes, would it be appealing to you to then trade him for essentially a prospect to, to have an, a player like him under control longer than you have Thibault? I, I understand the rationale. I just think that this is too good of a team at this point to be doing stuff like that. I, mm-hmm. I don't think that they could be now you don't say they shouldn't make any long-term thinking moves, right? That that would be silly. Right. But I do think they have very few moves to actually make at this deadline unless they were to say, listen, we're going to push chips in and, and really go for it and move 
Tobias and Maxi and a big Raptors trade and get Ananobi and maybe another guy. And if they're doing that, that's different. But if the only upgrade or side grade they're making is through, you know, trading Matisse and Furkan or Furkan and Jaden Springer or whatever it is, then right. I would rather just have Thibel who, despite his limitations, I know who he is. I know what he is. And if you're Daryl and you see how Doc uses him, I think there's a level of trust in that, you know, Doc will pull the plug if Matisse doesn't have it going, right? Like he doesn't mm-hmm. have a long leash for Matisse in the way that he does for some of the more problematic guys like a Trez where Doc just mostly lets him play through his BS stretches. So yeah. I think that also probably gives you a little bit more confidence that it's better to just have the break glass in case of emergency guy and Thibault than the long-term prospect. Like, I don't think they are thinking of it as a, uh, we might get a rotation player down the line if we trade Matisse. It's, right. We need as many guys who can play and stay on the floor in the playoffs right now because we have the potentially the MVP of the league, a guy, another guy who should have been an all-star, an ascending guy, Maxi. Like, they have the ingredients to go win a title. And yeah, so they're I, really I, good. I think that is priority number one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, and that's that's how it should be. I agree with that. Um, so my last my last question for you from a trade perspective, unless you have anything else, is so we talked a few days ago. Um, just curious what if you've heard anything else you mentioned at the top, your life is crazy right now with calls and stuff. Just curious, we talked about a few rumors that are out there, but anything else you're hearing, anything else you want to talk about that you think Sixers fans should know leading up into these last few days? No, I mean the thing I always try to caution fans about is that big things can happen very quickly. I, mm-hmm. I was talking to somebody the other day and they given me a rundown of what they think the Sixers are up to. And there was another a comment that was slid in there that was essentially, you never know when an owner is just going to come into a meeting and say, fuck this in one way or another. It could be, mm-hmm. we have a chance to win a title. Let's go get somebody or it could be, you know, an owner says we're 20 and 32. Yeah. Blow this team up. These guys are a bunch of losers. I'm paying, <laughs> you know, however many millions of dollars right. to put this team together and they're doing nothing. Like to figure it out, get rid of this guy. Or I just don't like this guy. I don't want him on my team. Whatever it is, you never know. And that's that's what the fun of a deadline is, right? It puts this artificial pressure almost on an entire organization mm-hmm. to say, all right, this is what we value. This is a, we have to do something by now, or this is who we have the rest of the year. And so that's always an interesting thing. Like sometimes these trades come together really quickly. It's why teams are having conversations dating back to, you know, November, late November, early December, when you really can't make any interesting trades yet because of free right. signings. So I don't think I think the Sixers will make a trade at some point. I don't think it's going to be a big trade, but I also wouldn't say that you know it's impossible for a big trade to happen. Well, a big trade think, would pretty much have to include Toby. Do we agree with that? It, and if they trade Tobias, I would say there's a decent chance that Maxi goes Maxie's because because Maxi's the real value. It's Maxi on still on the rookie deal. And Tobias is essentially the salary guy. Now yeah. I think he's he's been good this year. He's been very good. And his contract's year. expiring soon, which is yeah. Valuable. So that yeah. that changes the calculus a little bit. But I do still think you have to make up the if you're trying to get real chips, you're you would have to move Maxi. Now, 
I was going to say, so we're just complete shot in the dark here. Like what even big player would there be? So, you know, and I agree with you. I think it's probably going to be a minor move. I don't think we'll see a big name be traded, but as people love to tweet, the league does get drunk every once in a while. Crazy things do happen. Like what, what even name do you think would be the surprise? Oh my God, they traded them name. Well, so I guess Ananobi is not really a surprise one at this point. He's no. like the most rumored guy out there. One that's popped up over the last week is your boy, Zach Levine. That, mm. Well, there's been some speculation out there that maybe they're not thrilled or, or looking at the contract over the long term and saying, you know, we're not really getting the return on investment we thought we'd yeah. get. There may be some concerns about his health coming off of, uh, you know, off-season surgery, things like that. And certainly has a history where he's tor torn his ACL, I believe, multiple times dating back yeah, to, not ideal. to his amateur days. So all that stuff isn't great. So, I mean, I it, it would still be a little shocking, but I don't think it'd be completely out of the blue at this point because it has bubbled up enough that there are some people talking about him as a, Maybe Chicago just decides, but I don't. I don't think that's the Bulls' mo in general. I think if we're talking mm -hmm. about ownership, the Bulls' owners are pretty notorious. Like, yeah, they're they're kind of okay just hanging in that middle ground of the NBA and being like an okay playoff team and yeah, sticking around in the standings until they get like a six seed, and that's just fine with them. So I know we did a pod on this and I guess I would probably still do it, but I'm not going to lie. I'm a little more out on Levine than I was previously, which is oh, good. Oh, you're coming around. Well, no, no, no. It's not even about Levine. I would, I still love him as a player. I, they are playing better than I thought that they could play this year. And to, to that degree, I'd be a little more nervous to, to break because that is breaking it up to an extent. I know you're not moving Joel or James, obviously, but Tobias and Maxi are crucial players on this team. They're crucial from their roles. They're crucial just how good they are. I think from, you've talked about it, big personality guys, like leadership type things. I would be a little nervous to do the Zach Levine thing at this point. So I want to throw, I forget whose podcast it was on this week. Um, Rich Hoffman brought it up to me when we were at the game the other night. Somebody proposed mm -hmm. a fake trade of OG Ananobi and Gary Trent Jr., for Tobias and Maxi, no picks, Ooh. just straight up. But that I so the, like. the rationale for that is essentially you get the like true wing guy in Tobias's place in OG. PJ is now he's you're locked in on PJ at the four, so there right. are pitfalls with that. But at least like Tobias, the part of the problem there is that he is best as kind of a true power forward, and he can't mm -hmm. do that with PJ here. So you get OG, he's your he's your guy against the Tatums, you know, the the Jalen Browns, the even Giannis's, although he's probably a little undersized and that sort of yeah. the Kevin Durant's guys like that. Gary Trent Jr. then gives you like an awesome punch off the bench, or you could potentially, if you wanted to go all offense, certain games, you start him next to Harden, he gives you some shooting. Melton then slides in that you keep Melton, who's still on that cheap long term or two year right. deal at this point. And he's like your six-man type alongside Shake, who those two have had good chemistry. And that's who you go to war with. I thought it was interesting. I think the reason I wouldn't do it is that I think you are really screwed if James leaves. And if James leaves and you still have Maxi, you at least have some semblance of you know, creative yeah. playmaking talent. 
But yeah. I kind of think you're screwed if James leaves regardless. So I understand why you would consider it. I don't think it's going to happen. I think Toronto, if they're making a trade, is trading for like three first round picks or something. Yeah. So I do get your point about James. I don't know, man. I'm a little like, I, I like Maxi. I don't know if Maxi being here gives me confidence in the future. I think you're still, to your point, screwed either way. You still need to find another guy. You still need to find a better player than Maxi. And to your point also, I mean, they should try to win this year. Now, educate me a little on Kerry Trent Jr. Because I, I think of him a little bit as just a catch-and-shoot three guy. I don't think of him as doing much like driving to the basket and the stuff that Maxi does. Is that accurate, or will he give you what Maxi did off the bench? They seem like different players to me as well. No, I mean, he's more of a classic shooting guard type. Yeah. He's going he's gonna to catch and shoot, spot up, do all that, move like hit some movement threes. He'll mm -hmm. beat you on closeouts. So he's like he's a okay. decent ball handler, but not somebody who you're going to actually ask to run the offense. I mean, he's scoring almost 19 points a game. He's shooting 37.2% from three, but on really high volume. He's taking what number? 7.2 threes a game okay. in about 33 minutes. And he's been a high volume guy for years now. Like he got to Toronto second half of 2021. And he first first stretch he played for them, he's taken 7.3 threes a wow. game. He's yeah. a high volume shooter. I think that's something they could always use. The, the problem, I think, is more on the – well, there's a problem with I, – I think Maxi is better than Gary Trent. But I, I do think OG hungry, has gotten – I think OG has gotten overrated in the sense that he's an amazing defender. But because he's an amazing defender, I think people give him more credit than he deserves on offense. Mm -hmm. Like he's basically just slightly above average as a shooter. And I do think he's a guy in a playoff series that James and Joel in the middle of the floor, they're just going to say, we'll leave OG open and, and clog things up. And yeah. if he beats us, then, you know, go right ahead. We'll let you make eight threes or whatever. But people, Sixers did that to Toronto for a lot of the playoff series last year. And they had plenty of success with that. So you know, I think that's a, a thing to take into consideration. The other thing is OG seems unhappy with his role. So he's not going to get a bigger role in Philadelphia. So yeah. I, I don't know that you're you're making that any better for him. So I do kind of like the trade in a way. I feel like the combination of those two is probably better than the combination of Toby and Maxi. But to your point, OG is unhappy in Toronto. I actually in some ways have higher ceiling hopes for og moving forward than i would maxi just because of his his body size compared to maxi I, I feel like he's bigger and he's a way better defender to your point um, you don't feel like he's, he's yeah he is way bigger he's right? like yeah, a prototype wing guy yeah yeah sometimes i got to protect myself from sounding dumb and saying no 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 i mean he is you could make a clear argument that he is the best wing defender in the nba right now. right he's six seven a great athlete and i don't know what his let me see if I can find his wings. Well, do you agree he has a higher upside? He has a than seven seven foot two wingspan. It's pretty so, good. Do, do yeah. you agree he has a higher upside than Maxi? I do, but I don't know that it's. It basically you're just saying he's got better tools because I think Maxi the scoring upside is far above where OG is. Mm. Really, you're just saying that OG is a better two-way player is what it comes down to. And yeah. I think that's the case, but I, I do think people overstate how good his offense is because they're, they're so enamored with his defense that it's like, oh, and this guy can score. It's like, 
Yeah, a little bit, but he's not <laughs> he's not like the best offensive player in the world. Yeah, it's not well, somebody I want to run offense through. Put it that again, way. I remember last year in Toronto when they were playing the Raptors, just thinking Toronto doesn't have the guy. Like OG is not the guy, and he wouldn't have to be here. But if he's unhappy with his role in Toronto, I'd have some skepticism about that. All right, so unfortunately, one more, one more thing before yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, because go you're going to leave, right? So yeah, Tobias is somebody that I think you would take for granted if you swapped him out for OG in the sense that OG is not someone with six seconds on the clock who's going to go out and get a good shot and make it over somebody. Yeah. He's just, Tobias will get you four to six points in a playoff game on possessions that they have no business scoring on. And I think that's something yeah. that, you know, you certainly appreciate as a more oh, offense. Yeah. Offense-centric guy, I think that's something that they would miss if they were to ever move to bias for more of a defensively conscious guy. And again, I do really feel this way, and I'm surprised I've gotten to this point. They, it does seem like the team just works. I'm not saying they're perfect. I'm not saying they're look they're deep. They have defensive issues, all those things. But man, just with you talked earlier about how James is making Joel better, and maybe he does not give a lot of credit for that. I just feel like all the pieces are finally fitting. And there's been so many years of, well, Ben doesn't really fit, or Jimmy's here and they weren't able to do it, and Tobias isn't doing what he needs. And it feels like everything really fits now, so I'd be a little cautious of, while I think that, again, OG and uh, Gary Trent Jr. are probably combined better than uh, Toby and Maxi, it does just feel like it fits. So I would be worried to, to blow it up with him.